The Old Testament reading for this Christmas Eve is recorded in the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, beginning the first verse. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter days, he will make glorious the way by the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, upon them has light shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Here ends the Old Testament. The epistle reading is recorded in Galatians chapter 4, beginning the first verse. The inheritor, as long as he is a child, is no better than a slave, though he is the owner of the entire estate. But he is under guardians and trustees until the date set by the Father. So with us. When we were children, we were slaves to the elemental spirits of the universe. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has given the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So through God, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Here ends the epistle. The first portion recorded in Luke chapter 2, beginning the first verse. And in those days there went forth a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first taxation when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, unto Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was great with child. And it came to be while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because 
there was no room for them in the inn. The event of Christ's birth has now taken place as had been prophesied since the beginning of time. And now the announcement which is made to the most unexpected people. Luke chapter 2, beginning verse 8. Now in that same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with fear. But the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Here ends the second portion. The third part of the Christmas account is recorded in Luke chapter 2, beginning verse 15. This tells us what the proper response to the Christmas message has to be and that it must happen by faith. Now when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds then said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning this child. And everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. Here ends the Holy Christmas Gospel. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Our text is the Old Testament reading and a slight explanation which runs directly ahead of it. The tip-off is the word, nevertheless. Isaiah begins in the darkness. And that's exactly where each and every one of us has to begin on this Christmas Eve. If you perceive of no darkness in your life, no darkness in your actions, no darkness in this world of sin, you're not ready. You're not ready. So listen carefully to Isaiah's words just prior to the Old Testament text. 
When men come to you, do you consult mediums and spiritualists who but whisper and mutter? Should not a people rather inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Go to the law. Go to the solemn testimony. If these people do not speak in accordance with this word, they have no light, they have no dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam about through the earth. When they are famished, they will become enraged. And if they look upward, they will curse their God and their king. And when they look toward the earth, they will see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust aside into outer darkness. If you this night are trying to combine any spiritual hope with Jesus as though he's just a capstone to everything else you believe, you are in this terrible situation. Notice in Isaiah's day, they were very religious. Very religious. They eagerly consulted spiritists and mediums. That is false religion that is nothing but witchcraft. And I warn you, a lot of religion out there does work but it works in accordance with what you want. It is very devout, it is very strong, and it is very popular because it gives people exactly their heart's desire. Consider this evening what your heart's desire is. He talks about consulting the dead on behalf of the living. There is a spiritism out in this world today that does exactly that. It thinks that somehow it can be in good terms with the dead, as though the dead can do something. In some places, there is a kind of Christianity which even encourages people to pray to the dead. But let me tell you, even Isaiah himself says they don't hear, they don't respond. There is no response at all. And it does no good to say, well, I'm not good enough to talk to God. I need to talk to Grandma or Saint so-and-so. They'll pass on my desire. It's not going to work. The dead hear nothing and can give nothing. The only one who is living is Christ Jesus, whom we are encouraged to ask and humbly request. Go to the law on the solemn testimony, says Isaiah. That is God's word. Nothing else is going to tell you the truth. Isaiah then tells us what happens if we disregard all of this. And I'm convinced that many of the difficulties in this country at this time and place have nothing to do with politics, have nothing to do with economics, have nothing to do with worldly thinking, 
but our spiritual problems. Notice what people then do when they're on the wrong track. They are distressed and they are hungry. And when it says they're roaming around the earth, it's the term used of what hungry dogs do in the ancient world. Roaming, distressed, hungry, famished. And when these people, says Isaiah, don't find what they're looking for, they become enraged because they're looking for the wrong things. If you're looking for the wrong things this night, for matters that are worldly, earthly, passing, selfish, God is not going to give them to you. The false gods may claim that they can, but the true God will not give them to you. And if you find yourself angry and enraged at what you do not have and what you do not get, the problem is deep with inside. They look upward, says Isaiah. If that happens, they curse their king and their God. There are fewer Christians and fewer Christian churches in this nation today because of just this difficulty. They look upward all right, but all for the wrong. And then they end up cursing God. They leave. Then it says that they look toward the earth as though that's going to be the solution. There are earthly saviors out there that promise you everything. But Isaiah says, when they look toward the earth, they see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. That's a picture of hopelessness. And in the end, they are thrust out into utter darkness. And here you thought you were coming for a happy Christmas sermon. But you have to get the beginning point straight in your heart, soul, and mind. With this darkness fully in mind, now we understand the word nevertheless. That is, in spite of all this sinful darkness, God still is gracious. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who used to be in distress. In the past, yes, God can humble places. These lands of Naphtali and Zebulun used to exist. Do you think there's any guarantee that this nation will exist into the next century? But in the future, it says God will honor Galilee of the Gentiles, the way by the sea along the Jordan. Galilee. That's where Jesus would eventually grow up. But Galilee was a place that was already overrun by God's enemies, taken over, gone. Yet he says the people who were walking in darkness have seen not just light, but a great or a powerful light. Those living in the land of the shadow of death, light has dawned upon them. Ultimately, this night, are you prepared for Christ's coming to you? 
in all of his final power and glory. Are you prepared for the end of your life? The Christmas message is only stood in the light of this terrible truth. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, as the Apostle Paul. And yet the good news is here that there will be this great light for those even living in the shadow of death. How can he say such a thing? If you look with your eyes, nothing has changed since the time of Jesus' birth and thousands of years before. There has continued to be darkness, distress, trouble, difficulty, anger, godlessness. So what's going to change it? So the light comes. It has everything to do with God's activity in Jesus Christ. Now the famous section. Four. He's explaining how this gospel of Christmas now comes to us. Four. Unto us. That is for our benefit. A child is born? Hebrew word yelled. It means a little yelling kid. He can't talk. He can't walk. He can't do anything. He just lays there. He eats and he poops. Who needs another child like that? But for our benefit, a child, a little yelled, an infant is born, unto us a son is given, and now here's where the power comes in. And the government will be upon his shoulders. We're not talking whether Jesus is a Democrat or a Republican. The term here for government means heavenly, godly government, mashal, not any earthly form. And only God himself can have this kind of government and rule. And his title? Wonderful or wondrous beyond your comprehension. Counselor is someone who comes to your side when you're crying, hopeless, broken-hearted, where no one seems to care. Christ comes as that kind of loving Savior. He is Emmanuel. He comes to your side. These are divine terms used elsewhere of God himself, but just in case we're a bit slow at who this child is, <clears throat> Isaiah says he is wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God. That's the celebration of Christmas. God comes to mankind in the flesh in order to bring light, salvation, peace, eternal life. Wonderful Counselor, mighty God, the everlasting Father that is the one who cares for us, the Prince of Peace. In the ancient world, the prince was never a prince of peace. He was a prince of war. He was trained in warfare. He would become a general under his father, the king. But this child is the Shar Shalom, the prince of peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, says the Apostle Paul, because of what is above the manger. At the Christian manger is always to be the crucifix. 
and the red reminds us of the blood which he will shed to gain our peace as God's gift to you. Of the increase of this government and of peace there shall be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, and he will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. Here's the two important things to remember about the Christmas gift for you. Justice, that is the payment for sin, is fully and completely done by Jesus at the cross. There is now no condemnation which them which are in Christ Jesus. He's paid all. And righteousness, from cradle to grave, he would fulfill every stipulation, every law that God had ever given. As Jeremiah would say, he is our righteousness because we have none. In these two statements, then, we have the entire good news. He establishes justice, the payment for sin, and righteousness, the fulfillment of the law. And he does it from this time forth and even forevermore for you. If you will but have that faith of the humble shepherds who, trusting in the message, came to Jesus and in coming to him received this kingdom and this gift forever. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.